line that's right welcome back to another episode of scarlet tcp another companion episode with your hosts Brittany sherman and i am sonia mazaleone this companion episode is about a show that i know you have wanted to discuss for a little while because i remember early on when we started doing this you brought this up to me it's about something that i had watched a little bit of years ago before it was even famous and uh, now we're doing it and that topic is the netflix docuseries the staircase the Staircase is about uh, a, uh, a woman, Kathleen Peterson, who is found mysteriously dead in a pool of her own blood at the bottom of her, own, her home staircase by her husband, Michael Peterson. Uh, it's considered suspicious because uh, he says that she seemingly fell down the stairs and died, but a simple fall down the stairs probably would not result in the types of injuries that she had, specifically lacerations to her head and the large amounts of blood that was lost. So that's a, I said, more or less, that's what the crime was. And uh, the entire series is about unpacking everything that took place that night, their life together, and uh, the, throughout the duration of the trial and the aftermath. Yes, thank you, Brittany. You've summed You're welcome. Up well. I, as I, as you said, I have been tra- talking about this series for quite a while. I watched it for the second time right before we um, decided to do it, and I just finished this morning. And I have to say, I think it's, I think it's a great uh, series. I think it's exhaustive sometimes. Um, and I, again, I love the way Netflix, Netflix treats these kinds of subject matters. So they did a great job. Um, it's a crime that actually happened in... Um, December 2001. De- was it December 2001? Yeah. Yeah, it was a long time ago. So let's start at the beginning. Let's talk about the night that the crime or the death of Kathleen Peterson occurred. And you you notice that I differentiate the two because sometimes sure. in some and at some point in this conversation, you and I are going to probably um, split on the way that we think that this went down. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to Michael Peterson, who was a well-known writer. Um, these He and his wife had money. They were wealthy. They were living in Durham in a wealthy part of the, the state or the city. North Carolina. Um, beautiful there, by the way. Durham, North Carolina is just fantastic. It's, it's in the woods. I mean, you know, there are some areas yeah, yeah. there that are, um, they have a bit of a, you know, sort of little city kind of feel. But for the most part, these people are in the woods. And she made a lot of money at the time. Um, she was very smart. I think she worked for Nortel. He was writing books and staying home and apparently pretty savvy at it. 
And one night, as they sit around their pool, just the two of them, they uh, uh, were having wine or something. And he, Kathleen gets up to go inside the house and leaves Michael Peterson, her husband, uh, out by the pool. About 45 minutes later, Michael Peterson, Peterson walks into the house and, as you said, finds Kathleen Peterson in a pool of her own blood at the bottom of the staircase. Now, I... I don't, I think that Michael Peterson made some assumptions about what happened there because he says that she fell down the stairs. Yes. I, if I walked onto that scene, I don't know if, if it wasn't me who did, had a, was participated in it. I don't think I would have thought anything but that. But as we will see, as we go through the details of this case, that there are a lot of inconsistencies with someone who fell down the stairs. And so if we look at this case and zoom out, because again, that's the staircase series is there. Are, there are many, 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 many conversations. Some Brittany, like you and I talked about maybe um, unnecessary. Uh, you know, I think it's a, sure. a, a window into the, the, the very intimate personal life of these people who this affected uh, in particular, Michael Peterson, but more so his children. And I don't, I, I, I found it to be a little bit um, invasive at times. It was uncomfortable for me because I felt like I was so involved in this intimate situation that they were having, um, you know, emotional and yes, scarring it was. and traumatic. I mean, these poor girls, you know, the daughters or the daughters of Michael Peterson were fine, you know, and the sons, his sons were very affected by this. And, you know, this is their father. So, again, we oh, have Michael Peterson walking into the uh, kitchen and into the stairwell of his home, finding his wife at the bottom of the stairs. He, um, of course, freaks out. He says he runs to get a towel or something. I mean, when you look at these crime scenes, there's blood everywhere. But it's weird because it's not, it's like, it's not strong linear lines of blood, you know, like when you, you know, it's, it's like sprays. It's sprays and like a a pool, yeah, like splatters exactly. in a pool, and, and and I was nodding along earlier as you were talking about how he came in and said that he saw he he assumed she fell down the stairs, and uh, honestly, I think that was one of his first mistakes because, as I said in our intro. Her injuries and that amount of blood is not indicative of someone who falls down the stairs. I, if I was in that situation, I probably wouldn't say what happened. I would probably say, I don't know. She's bleeding at the bottom of the stairs because it just doesn't look like well, a fall I mean, she down was laying at the bottom of the stairs, so I'm not surprised that he sort of made that assessment. But I mean. I think that there were a lot of there were a lot of um, opportunities for someone else to say, um, Michael, you know, you you probably should have you know rethought that. But I I don't blame yeah. him for it. I mean, you right. know, you if so, let's take his word at face value. Let's say that Michael Peterson sure. and his wife Kathleen, and who he said he had a very good relationship with, an idyllic marriage. Definitely, let's say. Now, as we'll talk a little bit about some of the details of the marriage that really sort of 
opinion sunk him. So as we discover, we go back and Michael Peterson has got a towel for his wife. Um, there's blood everywhere. First, he thinks she's conscious or unconscious. And then he um, later figures out that she has passed away. She's been there for probably 45 minutes uh, because um, if this was this if this happened right as she walked into the house and not as she has been in the house walking around for a while as we can talk about some of the details on why we think that are a little later um you know she's been there for quite a while so that would have led to the blood drying that would have led to some things happening that you know if you walked up on it right when it happened it would probably be very different like there wouldn't be all that big that wouldn't be a big pool of blood she lay there bleeding for quite a while and the lacerations were severe and to your point, Brittany, not normal for um, a fall down the stairs. But then you kind of have to figure out, well, what else happened? Did someone bludgeon her? You know, I mean, it was I don't, I don't know what he would have thought. I mean, I would have had that natural inclination. Well, what a shock. I mean, he was in shock. So, you know, I give him credit and yes. he called the police, you know, and he let them know, you know, I mean, he was obviously you know, freaking out on the phone. And I'm not going to say if that was real or not. That's not my place to say, but I, and my impression was that it seemed genuine. Um, if we're taking him at face value, it yeah, was genuine. He, and he called the police, called him twice and said, you know, the second time that she wasn't breathing. And then you just heard a lot of him sobbing. It was really quite sad. Um, so the police and the ambulance arrive, they come in. I think what I thought, what struck me as strange about this, because Let's go back to this documentary. This documentary was created um, from footage that a French documentary uh, documentarian group and, and his, and his uh, production team had gone out and started shooting Michael Peterson and his family very early on in the situation. I don't know how early it was, but it seemed really early to be inviting a, a camera crew in to start recording things because you knew th something was going to go wrong. That seemed really weird. The only reason you would it's have somebody weird. come in and do that is if you had any kind of idea that you may be responsible or be held responsible for this crime and you're trying to do something to cover your ass. And that seemed what Michael Peterson said in parts of this documentary, but it was regardless. I mean, it was up close and personal with these people all the time. And, and like I said, you know, I felt a bit offensive sometimes as they were joking and the family together, I could see how some people would be offended by that in particular Kathleen's family, who's now lost this loved one. And you've got a group of people partying over here on camera, you know, appear to not really care. I think it's also important to note this documentary was made in three different parts. And the first part was an eight-episode series that came out in 2004. The trial didn't end until late 2003. So that gives you an idea. And it was eight episodes, eight broadcast-length, hour-long episodes. That's a lot of footage, and they were documenting for over two years. So the only not current footage per se was foot, uh, recreations and photographs from the crime scene everything else in the documentary was like as it's happening so to your point it started very quickly after this happened after kathleen's yeah, death and it's you know what's weird about it is i don't even know how you would find the people to do that like you know i mean did Michael Peterson, uh, upon, you know, realizing that he was going to be a suspect or he was a suspect, immediately starts like, what do you do? Put out a Craigslist ad? I don't even know how to get a hold of people. I mean, he was a famous guy in the, I guess, in the book business. So I guess he could have figured it out. But let's go back a little bit. Let's go back again to Kathleen Peterson laying at the bottom of the staircase. And she's slumped over to the side. Um, 
it doesn't appear to me in the photographs or in the video that they shot and they have um, of, of the crime scene it she she was dead and she was dead for quite a while the oh, blood was dry definitely. pretty quickly i think that the police have to look at him and start wondering what happened there and start questioning him this is probably around the time that he got the filmmakers to the documentarian the french documentarian to come out and start you know shooting this because it looked like things might be going south i don't what I always wonder when I'm watching this docu- documentary, because or the series anyway, do you think at any point Michael Peterson realizes that people don't like him? <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that, because as I was watching the documentary and as I was reading some articles about it online, it was one of the articles I read, and I don't remember what it was, essentially said, there is such a clear slant in this documentary that it turns me off whoever the author was and in what way well exactly that's what i was just gonna say and i i figured out what that slant was but at the time i so did not like this guy that i thought yeah it slanted against him because he is very unlikable He, and the more you, you, know, you he, see him and the more he talks in this family, the more I just hated him. I mean, I uh, it worked against it, uh, against things for me. There's a, I think it did. I have a little bit of information of that, that I, I think is really interesting. I'm going to pepper in later with my theory of what happened, but you're going to be surprised. Uh-huh. Because when I tell you what I tell you, you're going to be surprised that this could have been seen somebody would ever create the series in well, his, against him where, or that didn't work in his favor considering the people who were participating. Well, and I agree, and I want to talk about that in the end and how I feel like the the slant and the issue that I have with the slant. So, again, you know, I think they fairly quickly, they arrest Michael Peterson. They start, you know, looking at all of the different factors. Somehow or another, they concoct this idea that Michael Peters is Peterson is not telling the truth, and that his wife was actually killed by him, and he must have come in and banged her on the back of the head with a weapon, which they determined to be um, something that may look like a blow poke that the some of the different family members had one. So, you know, they they couldn't yes. figure it out. They were perplexed at how these wounds happened on her head, and she had wounds on other parts of her body as well um bashes to her head holes in her puncture wounds things didn't make sense they were convinced it was a blow poke because who would ultimately become one of the central characters in this story is kathleen's sister and one christmas kathleen's sister gave everyone in the family a blow poke the exact same one to everyone in the family. And Kathleen's sister, when speaking with detectives, told them this. And that, I believe, is when the detectives started to piece together that these wounds on the top of Kathleen's heads could potentially be consistent if she was attacked with a blow, but poke. I don't think they could be considered that consistent with that at all. I mean, well, all you would have to do would be go I, recreate that with some, you know, I mean, whatever with a, a head, and you would it would be. Clear. And that's what comes out late. That's what comes out later on, though, in later in the documentary that that probably isn't consistent. But that was largely what the prosecution 
based their case on, that was the theory that they posited as to how she died. Yeah, but back to my point, you could have, I mean, what's easy to prove is that's not the case by the defense team, you know, running these experiments but and showing that. They could have, and that's brought up later because they didn't. That's the point. They, they just didn't. didn't. Well, there are a lot of things about this that I have those issues with because I was surprised that the defense didn't do a lot of things. Um, yes, so, I agree. Michael Peterson quickly realizes he needs help here. He hires an attorney, David Rudolph, who I, I, in the scheme of attorneys, it feels like he's not the worst guy in the world. I liked him, actually. I, I, I thought he was I really authentic. I did, too. I really liked him. Now, you know, I think there are some things, just like what we were talking about, maybe he didn't do best for Michael's case, but I think he did the best that he could have and the best that he knew how. And he even says later, hindsight being twenty twenty, he realizes there are things he probably should have done better. But if, in my opinion, he was the most likable character and most genuine character in the entire show. Yeah, I have to agree with you. <clears throat> so Kathleen Peterson and Michael, Michael Peterson had a family. They had multiple children, none together, but they had multiple children, and they adopted two girls together. Um, they had Margaret, they had Martha, which were the two adopted daughters. They had Todd and Calvin, which were the sons of Michael Peterson, and they had Caitlin, who was the daughter of Kathleen Peterson. So this appeared to be a fairly happy family. So, of course, it was devastating to the family, the kids, when their mother was killed and the person being held responsible was their father stepfather adopted father whatever you want to call it and so um, things happen pretty quickly because as the defense team starts you know preparing for the trial and going in, you know starting in motion the 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 all of the um, the documentation that they need to go through it's quickly found out after some searches that there are there are things on the Peterson's computer that surprised the police. Um, what they found a lot of, Michael Peterson's computer anyway, were emails to mail escorts and going to websites and downloaded pictures and so on and so on. And this was a surprise to everyone because no one had any idea, I suppose, except for the people who Michael Peterson, Michael Peterson engaged with that, um, you know, he was bisexual and this was again, a surprise to the family and quickly turned, um, started to turn things. If you saw the footage or if you saw the, the photos of Kathleen Peterson, um, you know, in, in her autopsy, which I think that her family only saw when they went to trial, you would have probably had an idea early, earlier than the trial that, this was probably not a fall down the staircase. And so that would mm -hmm. have immediately, you would have led to, you, you could have been led to believe that it could be Michael Peterson. Then to have this other information come out during the trial, um, which was devastating to Michael Peterson in his case, I think, and I think most people do, um, was that he was bisexual. So he liked men as well as women, he says. And um, he never told anyone about that information, even though in some parts of the documentary, he actually says that Kathleen knew. So if he didn't tell anybody, I don't know how it's, she knew. Yes. Yeah. Well, so yes. So that's a very important detail. Because he says many times, actually, that Kathleen knew and it wasn't something they spoke about often and it wasn't something that she necessarily liked. 
but it was something that she understood. And his agreement with her is that he was bisexual, but he was never in a, quote, relationship with other men. It was strictly for sexual purposes because that wasn't something that she could fulfill. But he was committed to her in a loving, again, idyllic relationship. And he would never break his vows in having another relationship with another person. Now, this is what he says. This is what he says. Michael Peterson was very crafty with his words. He and he talked a lot. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, if I had to count the number of words that he spoke in this stupid documentary, um, you know, and I I say stupid off the cuff because there are times where I just want to punch him in the nose. And I'm like, boy, this isn't doing you any favors. No, it's not. And he's a fiction writer. Remember that. That's important. Let's talk. He likes to talk and he likes to write and he likes to hear his own words. Let's talk a little about this because there were a couple things that he said that uh, gave the reason for the district attorney to be working against him and to want to find him guilty for this. He had he was a popular, um, you know, fiction writer. He wrote about war. I think Vietnam, the Vietnam War. Vietnam, because he did serve in Vietnam, though the terms of his service are up for debate. Regardless. He was a very he was a popular he he made a lot of money writing those books regardless of yes he, he did served, and he was an officer and he I mean that that's you know whatever he said he did when it was at war who knows but he also was a column, columnist in the local newspaper and he had spoken out multiple times against the DA previously so they had reason to not like him and when they found out that there was another component that to Michael Peterson that could work against him I think they took advantage of that I think his bisexuality worked against him and if you would have sent if this case would have happened and this guy would have been straight that I don't think he would have been found guilty I agree, but what shifted for me, even though I didn't like this guy, but where I started to really question his guilt or innocence was when they went to Germany. Because I believe he was stationed in Germany at some point in the 80s because he was, I I don't know. I don't know if it was for the military. He lived in Germany. it, It was for the military. It was for the military. Okay, great. And he was married at the time to his first wife. And he was very close friends, platonic friends is what he says, with another woman in Germany. And that woman was found dead at the bottom of her staircase in very similar manner to Kathleen Peterson. Yeah, but not really. And that, not, I mean, if you look at the facts of that, it, it, it's not. It's not it's not the same at all. It's 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 strange enough that two important women in his life died at the bottom of the staircase and he was one of the first people to find each of them and the last one to see. Yeah, them. but what they found that Elizabeth Ratliff died of, it says here that she was found it was found that she died of an intracerebral hemorrhage secondary to the blood coagulation disorder, von Willenbrand's disease. So she had a disorder. I understand that. I'm just saying I think that actually worked against him equally as much as the homosexuality. Mm, I don't think it did because- as much and I mean I Certainly not. I mean, and I don't think he was there either. He was the last person to see her alive, but he was with his wife when she would have died, fallen down those stairs. He was with, and, and he was he was the second person there 
after she was found. Not surprising. I mean, no, I know it's, but you can't tell me that that's not strange circumstances it is, but that doesn't mean that he murdered his wife i think that's that no it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that but those are these are all circumstantial things that are adding up against yeah, him yeah i i i don't think the two have anything to do with each other when you look at look at the details of it and even orlando judge orlando hudson who was the judge in michael peterson's case said at the at one of the later episodes of this yes, that did. that information should have never been admitted it was, it was there was no I, relevance and I, to it other than just, I, I like, agree. So, I mean, that's like saying you drink milk, I drink no. milk, so we're both gonna die. Like the, you, I understand that, but if you are a prosecutor, if you're the district attorney, and you're looking to connect dots, it's not hard to connect those dots. And then what? Also, but I, I think found it is hard not, to connect the dots because there was nothing that you know. If you're trying to convict someone and you're trying to pull straws and trying to connect things, as we're gonna find out. A lot of stuff was made up in this case. Oh yeah, absolutely. So why not? Why not tie that well, in? I agree. I think that that's where it really is the fault of the judge because it should have never been admitted. And he he takes yes he, he takes some that. responsibility. Then, he doesn't take responsibility he does for take, much of anything. I mean, he's talk about a guy who can like squirm his way out of responsibility. Well, the other so you talk about his his kids, uh, the two daughters, Margaret and Martha. They were the daughters of. Uh, Elizabeth Ratliff. Elizabeth Ratliff uh, in Germany and adopted by Michael and his first wife. And then, of course, uh, Michael continued to raise them when he married Kathleen. So that's just a little sidebar. That's where these two girls came into the picture. And they were very young when Elizabeth died. They no were, I think, they were 18 months and six months or yeah. something like that. They were very Yeah, they were young. babies. I mean, and they, they knew these people pretty well. I think that Elizabeth Ratliff's husband had died previously, so the Petersons had t- felt some responsibility to, you know, for their well-being. Which so yes. it makes perfect sense, but I just... Sure, yeah, I don't really... I don't have a problem with I, that at all. Again, I just... I, and then they exhumed Elizabeth Ratliff's body because they, they yeah. obviously previously had investigated this it was found with no issues we know what she died from then they do another autopsy and the the coroner who did the they drove they took this woman uh, it's crazy what they did they took this woman's body out of the ground in texas they put it in the back of a looks like a gmc suburban a long long truck does not look refrigerated and they drove her back to North Carolina instead of seeing a third party corner in Texas, which, which is so weird. So weird. I mean, like, don't you want that, you know, person who is, is that third party to have some, you know, yes. a, a much better view uh, objectivity you would think, but that's not what this case was about. If there was no, nothing about this case that was objective at all, the DA and his office were, re- I mean, I do strongly believe they were working against Michael Peterson. Now, whether Michael Peterson, you know, deserved it or not, that's another thing altogether. But this DA and this people, these people had it out for Michael Peterson. I mean, you had uh, the DA, which was James Harden, you know, who was, a very effective at making his point. And then you had the assistant DA, which was Frida Black. Now, um, she she had a lot of interesting characteristics. She yes, was she very, did. very North Carolina. <laughs> she said a lot of times in 
my boyfriend and I frequently could joke with each other, you know, you are bisexual. She would really draw it out. I mean, it was, she had this like almost like church, you know, like, yes, grammar that she would, the way she, her pauses and it was very judgmental. And, you know, all these, Michael Peterson was a terrible person and she worked very hard to prove that. And she would call into question, you know, his morality and, and just things that I don't think had anything to do with anything. No, and the the biggest problem that I had with her was how hard she pushed on the bisexuality. It was disgusting. This, I can't believe it, the judge let, it sit, she, let her sit there and I, do it. I know, I couldn't either, as if it was a mortal sin. I mean, she produced photos that he he sent to a male escort, the escort sent to him, and they were porn, really, let's be honest. They were pornographic, and... She showed the jury and just lambasted Michael for how can someone who is a good, upstanding citizen, loves his wife, do this? That's not what this is. This is not a good person because he's bisexual. It was, like you said, it was disgusting. And honestly, up until that point... She had some characteristics about her that I actually kind of appreciated. There were some shots of her during the trial where witnesses made some points that probably supported Michael Peterson. And there were shots of her like kind of like nodding in agreement and acknowledging like those were good points. And then this happened and I just I couldn't stand her. Yeah, it was really bad. And again, I blame it on the judge because they could have they could have done he could have done something about that at any time. Yes, I think and he really should have. There were some other things at the house they found that, you know, obviously didn't work in his favor. It looked like he had tried to delete um, or reformat his hard drive, which was bad. And then it sounded to me like they found a used condom in um, he and Kathleen's um, marital bed or bedroom, right? So that was not a good thing. So that means that he likely had sex with someone there because it probably I actually don't hers. remember that. Yeah, I think that that comes out. Um, and then now we're in trial, right? So this guy is being raked over the coals. His defense team is saying essentially that um, he didn't do it and she must have fallen down the stairs. But they really never bring any other thoughts you know or other suggestions because if it was me i would say okay however i'm going to cast reasonable doubt i'm going to do it how about michael peterson one of maybe one of michael peterson's you know lovers came over and did it how about let's looking at any of the kids you know who benefited todd was there pretty quickly after this yes exactly now michael peterson's not going to let anybody look at the kids like that but certainly if you're trying to cast doubt you can do it in a lot of different ways um so intruder right she fell that's hard to prove. Um, and even I think that that's where it gets really, you know, when you look at the evidence and to me, the evidence was the blood and it was the lacerations, not this other nonsense about him being bisexual or him, but knowing someone who fell downstairs before, and that has somehow tied to him pushing her down the stairs, um, you know, or whatever he did to her, um, with the lacerations, I would have done some scientific work on showing that the blowpoke wouldn't make those kinds of, you know, wounds. I would have also, if I was them, started thinking about, you know, trying to call attention to somebody else, a third party, an intruder. Did anybody even bother to look? Um, you know, what else, what are the other options? Because any of that reasonable doubt is reasonable. I mean, if you can bring it in um, and just have somebody with a, just a smidgen of doubt, you've, you know, you've really made your case. I do think that they focus too much on the other stuff and they just weren't even interested in the facts, really. Well, they actually talk about at one point, the defense does, that the biggest issue they have is that 
one of the biggest issues they have is that they can't come up with another solution. The prosecution has an alternative theory to falling down the, the stairs. It's the blowpoke. The defense doesn't. But they, the defense has the opportunity to prove that the blowpoke couldn't have made those wounds. And they, they don't. didn't do that. And they don't do that. Yeah. Exactly. No, they don't do that. Of course, they should have done that. And what they did do was have a, uh, I don't recall exactly what this guy's title was, but uh, this guy, his, his friends at something or another, he might be a blood spatter guy, where essentially he is able to recreate, albeit digitally, a fall down those stairs that if at the exact right angle, Kathleen's head hit various points falling down the stairs, it could potentially cause blood splatter in the areas that the blood was found. I think what you're talking about is the body, the biomechanic guy. The yeah, blood maybe splatter that's specialist was, uh, was Mr. Lee, and we know him from the OJ case. And what I think I th- that is who I'm thinking of. Uh, he's the blood spatter guy. Okay. So, And what he said... The, the spatter came from a multiple directions and actually did not come down the stairs at all, but went up. Well, you're right. Went up the stairs as if she slipped as she was walking up the stairs and then fell back down. Yeah. She was never at the top of the stairs. No, never. Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty clear to me. Um, so we go through the whole rigmarole with the trial. It, I mean, ultimately, and let's talk a little bit about the blood spatter expert, because I think this is important later for Michael's appeal. Uh, we have a gentleman, Mr. Deaver, who was with the SBI, and yes. that is the, what is it, the State Bureau of Investigation? That's correct. And he uh, apparently saw himself as an expert um, of profound level. He had yeah. said hundreds of cases, expertise, um, you know, even William Lee, you know, it was William Lee, right? I think his name was. I think so. Dr. Lee uh, knew Deaver from, you know, I think working in the same field and thought. Right. And I think even William Lee thought that he was reputable. Um, What we come to find is that Deaver is not reputable. Deaver, you know, has apparently falsified documents in multiple cases. There's another case that comes out, um, Greg Taylor, who Deaver just absolute flat out lied on just his made stuff up. And this guy went to jail for 17 years. Yeah. 17 years. Yes. All because of this Deaver knickknack. So when you watch this documentary, pay attention to this guy because he is, um, and I would always suggest you guys watch these shows before we talk about them. I mean, it's just a platform for all of us to talk about it because usually when I watch a series like this, I get all, you know, pissed off or whatever. And I want to chat yeah, with you do. about it. Um, but you know, this guy, it, I mean, when I first watched it, I thought that he was credible. I mean, and but what I can't understand is I thought that because nobody questioned him. There were what, 20 exactly. of credible people that should have questioned him. I don't know why they didn't. There were lots of people after the fact to say that he didn't know what he was doing. But where were the people in the middle of the freaking trial when he was making all these claims? I mean, did, I, where, why wasn't William Lee questioning this? Why, you know, if everybody... If, Ten people later said that all of the, the experiments that he um, ran and all the video, none of that would have, you know, would have proven the point. He worked backwards. He was trying to prove his point and not the reverse. But why? Right. Did, well, he, he, he already decided. Well, why didn't why didn't the the defense team, you know, sort of think about his credibility and question his credibility? William, I don't Lee think is at the point they, in this field. 
at that point, they didn't have any reason to question his credibility because he made up his mind uh, about what happened and he found a solution to confirm his prejudice. Yeah, but they they could they did have a moment. They did have an opportunity. They looked they at had, videos with him yes, doing experiments did. and if and doc and like I said, all these people said, "Oh, well that experiment wouldn't prove that at all." He, uh, why didn't Dr. Lee say that when he saw the video? Why didn't somebody say that that's that experiment? I mean, everybody else was Well, I think there was opinions about it afterwards, not before. Maybe Dr. Lee could have said something, and ultimately Dr. Lee did take the stand, but I think something that came out early about Dr. Lee that was really interesting, in early testing, essentially, of his credibility, people had a hard time with Dr. Lee because they couldn't understand him. He was Chinese. They uh, had a hard time with his accent, and to the people watching the video, that hurt his credibility, regardless of the fact that he is incredibly renowned in his field to the common people that were being polled. He was not nearly as recognized as for his credentials as he should have been. Well, yeah, but he would have known himself. I mean, uh, sure, I understand all, that, all but of anything that credibility that aside, but I, he didn't even say it. Like, I mean, he, I mean, even if he, okay, so they wouldn't have found him credible, but he didn't even say it. He watched this video of this guy, you know, essentially sort of recreating these situations and proving a point. And when everybody else said that those experiments don't prove that, and they watched the video and they were like, no, absolutely not. But why didn't, why didn't anybody in this courtroom watching this at the time say the exact same thing that they said 10 years later? I don't well, understand it. And I, I agree. And that goes back to what we started talking about with the attorney, how he seems like a, a really good, credible stand-up guy, but there were a lot of issues in his defense that come out later, and this is one of them. Well, I think one of the other things that we find later, you know, I mean, there, there are other pieces of this that, I mean, I don't know if they helped Michael Peterson, but they were used as reasons why he didn't get a fair trial. Um, okay, so here we are. We know, as I've already said, Michael Peterson gets found guilty. He gets, uh, he goes to jail for eight years. Um, and, of course, he was 61 years old when he went into jail, and this is not going to treat him well. Um, he is, obviously, his health is going to suffer. It's a lot of stress. He's spent almost all of his money on his defense, and, um, and that failed. So now, you know, this is where we are with Michael Peterson. And at this, this is the point where the first part of the documentary ends. The first eight episodes that were completed and originally aired in 2004. The next part picks up in 2011 as Michael Peterson is filing what he considers his last ditch appeal. And at this point, Michael had already given up all hope on his appeals because he had filed other appeals too, and they were unsuccessful. But this appeal was filed because it was right after it came out that Devers completely lied and falsified another case that sent that guy away for 17 years. And now it opened up reasonable doubt that he may have done the same thing on Michael Peterson's case. He got a final appeal and was back in front of the judge. Yes, he was. The judge uh, finally, uh, and what's crazy about this? This entire time, it's the same judge. I know. I found that amazing, too. It's, well, I find it freaking wrong. Orlando Orlando Hudson, um, 
he was the judge in all the trials. Yes, he was. It was crazy. And um, you know, they interview him in at the end yeah. of the, the the series, and I was shocked that he would actually say what he said on. Camera. I agree. That was enlightening. Um, so you know, Michael Peterson now gets out of i think he puts three hundred thousand dollars bond down he has a little foot thing. yeah he, he can't walk out of a certain area he's, he's like under house he's arrest, under house arrest his entire family essentially joins together to put their houses or whatever up on three hundred thousand dollar bond and um he i believe he had to stay with a friend because like his family had moved out of state they weren't around anymore his house of course was long gone and he was declared indigent because all of his money had gone to his trial his first trial yes yes and um he had to stay with a custodian but let's go back a little bit i want to talk about his financial position um we know he spent all of his money on his attorneys and these guys went to germany these guys went to lots of different places i was shocked at, to the extent that which they did that because you know to me i think they could have proven easily that germany shouldn't have ever come into play without going all the way there um they meet in germany his ex-wife which was an interesting character and then she proceeds to stay with this case throughout the rest of the series which yep these two guys the her and him together living together must have been quite a party <laughs> they <clears throat> michael peterson and as you'll watch this because you will be exhausted by his conversations but even her you know the way that they speak and it's to me it's very pretentious and um you know they just their basic terminology and Michael again I mean he's a he's a rich white guy you know he walks around the house listening to classical music smoking his pipe yeah oh I hated and, that I mean I just want to punch this guy in the nose I mean he he was not endearing to me at all he has a punchable I mean, I was, face I was I was so offended by him he just and he kept I mean he just it, it, he definitely made me feel like that he thinks this, he's the smartest guy in the room which is why uh, when I go back to this case I don't think that Michael Peterson, being the smart man that he was, would have done this. I mean, we can talk about at the end here, which we'll wrap up here pretty quick, because I think we ultimately know what happened, right, Brittany? You know, he goes, he files his appeal, he fights, you know, Deaver's blood. You yeah. Know, that, that's all discredited. Deaver's is, um, which actually isn't in the documentary, but Deaver's is fired from his job. Yeah. He's and then all these cases that he helped, you know. I mean, he Deaver did a lot. I mean, he put Michael away for eight years. He put Greg Taylor away for seventeen years. He put a lot of people away for quite a long time. I don't think that getting fired, by the way, is um, you know enough. What, what should have happened to Deaver? Yeah, he should go to jail I for think, all the times that he put everybody else in jail. I think he should ridiculous. too. And I understand that this is a legal argument and the way to essentially get Michael out of jail at the time. But what I found really interesting is that they didn't. The defense, Michael's defense team, didn't suggest that Deavers was wrong so much as they said that all of his cases have to be called into question because of the other case that he was proven. The one case, and fair enough, that he was proven to be lying about. I found that to be very interesting. Well, even in Michael's case, you know, they didn't dismiss it. They just said, okay, you get a new trial. Right. No, you know? I know. That's it, what I mean, I mean, though. They didn't argue it, that he was wrong, just that it called into question his credibility. Exactly. And the other thing, in, you know, in the other proceedings that will, you know, you'll hear is them talk about, you know, the evidence. Because they went when they went back to prepare for this appeal, you know, they didn't have the evidence that they, they – 
they didn't have evidence that had followed the proper chain of command and hadn't been protected. So all of that was disqualified. Yes. And Catherine's Catherine's clothes had never Kathleen. been t- tested. Ka- or Kathleen. Kathleen. Kathleen's clothes had never been tested for DNA. Um, and I thought the other, the DA was, you know, making a good point. He's like, look, would that have made a difference? But still, you know, if you go back to the crux of it, maybe it depends. And if somebody else would have thought about this third party coming in and killing her. Yes. Versus, you know, not even mentioning it. And they should have thrown all of those options um, at the jury. Because as much as you can throw, when you're trying to, you know, get that reasonable doubt. They just didn't do the, a good, they just didn't do it's it. A, it is worth noting that the jurors were polled and, and interviewed after they returned the verdict after the you know everything settled they uh, they were interviewed and said when they started deliberations it was either six to six or eight to four split they were very much split between guilty and not guilty but what swung them was Deaver's testimony that the only way that blood could have gotten underneath Michael's shorts, where there was blood under the shorts he was wearing, was if it splattered up from Kathleen. And so I did find that really fascinating that that came out, that even though the defense ultimately didn't say what Deaver said was wrong, they pointed to the fact that that, that Deaver's testimony is really what shifted the jury's opinion and resulted in a guilty verdict. Let's get to the end here because I think what happens now is that Michael, you know, is under house arrest for a couple of years and ultimately, you know, trying and trying to, you know, sort of think about whether he pleads guilty or with an Alfred plea or, or what are his options or going back to jail, which he doesn't want to do. Well, not going back to jail, a new trial, a full new trial. So, well, yeah, but that could lead to it him could going lead back to, jail, to him which going he doesn't back to, want to do. Exactly. I mean, this guy's 72 years old now, so ultimately he agrees to the Alfred plea. There's a big hoo-ha in the courtroom with Kathleen's sisters. Um as expected, they're upset. I want to One thing I I want to mention one uh-huh. thing. I want to go back a sec because what never was discussed in this um the series is that in October of 2002, um Caitlin, Kathleen's daughter, Yes whose blood daughter um, essentially filed a wrongful claim against wrongful death claim against Michael. And they never talk about it in the series, but she did that. And he filed for bankruptcy. She found out objection to the bankruptcy. And then she won a wrongful death claim against Michael Peterson for $25 million. Wow. Yeah. So remember this means with that kind of case, um, in the in the in essentially against him, any money he would have ever made would have had to gone to her. Right. So no matter what he did, it was gonna that money was gonna go to her. That's crazy. Think about that because that's that, they say that a little bit. If he wrote a book, money goes, it goes to straight her. to Whatever her. Whatever he does in his life, he could not have anything. No, no, no. It is. It's that's that's very interesting. Uh, the other yes. the other character I want to talk about, and I'm so terrible with names, I don't remember her name, but it was one of Kathleen's sisters who is featured prevalently in the Candace. Candace. Uh, she is featured prevalently in this uh, in in the show, and, and so much so that Michael, on multiple occasions, and it comes up at the end, says that if it wasn't for Candace and Caitlin, they wouldn't be in this situation because Candace essentially takes the torch against Michael. And the main issue that I had with her, I appreciate that she is devastated that she lost her sister. It must be awful, unspeakable, and terrible. But she was 
on Michael's side and said, even even told the district attorney that they had the perfect marriage and she had no doubt that he was not guilty of this until she found out that he was bisexual. Same as Caitlin. And Caitlin, yes. The two of them together, but particularly Candace, completely did a 180 and yep. spun it differently. And Candace, it, this is, we'll probably get very close to talking about also our final opinions on the show as a whole, but Candace is portrayed, and it's even said, as a crazy lady. She's nuts. She's, I can't believe how crazy she is. She looks like the crazy aunt that you don't talk to at, at holidays. And I don't know if it's fair or not. You mean what? So, I don't, wait, Candace? You, you think Candace is the crazy aunt? Yeah. Well, I think that uh, she's an angry mean aunt. She she's is. Not the crazy aunt. I think of the crazy fun aunt. I'm like, oh, you mean the aunt no, who no, like, no, buys no, no. beer? No, no, like, no, no. She's like the like, crazy she... conspiracy, like, teen hat-wearing aunt that no one actually talks to at holidays but invites them because they're relatives. She is angry and full of rage. She, she is. is so upset. And I get it, but boy, she, again, I'm like, dude, the French must freaking hate Americans because they didn't portray one single person in this documentary in a good light. Everybody ended up looking terrible. Yeah, nobody came across. Nobody good. Nobody looked good. It, I, I don't know. You know what's crazy? I'm going to tell you my secret. Yeah, tell- it's not a secret. I don't know if you read this. Um, but did you know that Michael Peterson was dating the editor of the series during during the making? I didn't know that, but that actually probably is a good parlay into my overall opinion of the series. And your opinion of the series or opinion of the case? Well, first I'm going to talk about the opinion of well, let's let's finish up the case, and then I'm going to tell you my opinion of the series. Okay. So the case. So, so, so finishing up. What are your thoughts? Okay. So finishing up the case. Uh, Michael is insistent. He will not admit guilt to killing Kathleen. He maintains his innocence the entire time, but agrees to an Alford plea. And an Alford plea essentially is, on the record, you plead guilty, but you're only pleading guilty because you are admitting that the prosecution, the state has enough evidence against you to find you guilty if it goes to trial. And he is sentenced to what would amount to be like seven or eight years in prison, but he's getting given credit for time served. So now he's a free man. That's how it wraps up. Uh, a couple other things come out that the, um, in fact, which I found really interesting, the police found, so this, the blow poke that was supposedly the smoking gun and how Michael killed her, was strangely missing for two years while the trial was going on until right before the defense started, which was really weird. But it was found out that the police actually had it at one point and were seen taking pictures of it and then hit it, which was crazy. So that doesn't work in their favor. And I don't know why they would have done no, that. I, That's stupid. I agree. So as far as the case as a whole, I guess if I was a juror, Based on what we saw in the documentary, I would have to go not guilty. And I emphasize based on what we saw in the documentary. Um, Michael did maintain his innocence the entire time. 
There were obviously a lot of issues that were brought up uh, with the state's case, probably some corrupt people along the way that had their mind made up from the start and maybe had it out for Michael. So I think it, there were a lot of issues. I'm not convinced that he's not guilty, but if I was a juror, I'd probably vote not guilty. Okay. I have a different theory. Okay. And I have a theory that's similar to others, um, and it did not come out in the trial. They This theory actually was brought up a couple of days before they were doing their closing arguments, so the defense team knew about this, but far too late to do anything about and that theory is the owl theory. And oh, this I heard theory, about this. I read about this. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, it is not, I mean, are these kinds of situations rare? Yes. But does it make sense in the scheme of what we know? Probably more than the Michael Peterson thing. So, if, Brittany, if I had to sit in that courtroom, I too, I, I'd like to think that I wouldn't hold any of that nonsense against Michael Peterson um, and I would have said not guilty as well. I just didn't feel like there was enough. But the Al theory explains it to me in a way that really shows me that there is no crime here. Um, and there are a couple of reasons why I believe that. They found blood. Explain, explain what the owl theory is. The owl theory is that an owl came down and whacked um, Kathleen on the head essentially buried its talons into the back of her head while she was walking into the house. And the reason they think that is because there is blood outside on the flagstone before you even get inside the house or anywhere near the staircase. So there was already blood. She, her, The bottom of her feet were covered in blood. So she walked through her own blood. They know what they can see where that blood that blood essentially happened. The other reasons are that she she in each of her hands she had twenty to thirty of hairs of her own that it showed that she was pulling at something in her own hair and included in the hair that they found in her own hands they found microscopic bird feathers and the only uh, apparently the only bird that has this kind of feather is an owl the other thing i want to remind everybody now again is this far-fetched possibly but when you understand that they live in a rural area owls these are barred owls they are fairly big now i and 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 apparently this is a, not an not an uncommon situation. There are people every year who are hit, essentially attacked by barred owls. They frequently will try to, you know, essentially prey on things that are bigger than them. And when you look at their talons, they are incredibly sharp, and they are shaped exactly like the trident shapes on the back of Kathleen's head. So with those kinds of wounds, you would have had a significant amount of bleeding. So think about this. She's walks away from the pool area. This, their house is freaking huge, okay? So it's a big house. They have a large landscaped area. They, she has to walk through, to like turn a corner into like a courtyard before she goes in the house. An owl swoops down, nails her on the back of the head like an owl would do to any other type prey that they, they, were, they were essentially preying on. Birds, all birds do this. 
I there was a bird the other day, a red tail hawk in my own backyard. I, I walked outside. I was doing whatever. I look up and out of the air, a red tail hawk essentially swoops down and in midair hits one of those little finches, a little bird, and that freaking bird exploded. Oh, there were whoa. feathers. There was nothing. And I was like, wow. this, is, this is what happens. And that's apparently what happens with, with owl attacks. They will come down and they will hit whatever they're preying on so hard, it will stun them. They'll be limp and, and likely kill them in a matter of seconds. But people have been hit on the back of the heads with owl before, and they say it feels like a baseball bat being hit, hit over the back of their heads. Um, a guy, there was, I think Jen Y did a really good episode of this. They did, they exactly. This, and they talked to multiple people. And this guy, one guy was walking, like, taking a hike and he had a hat on and bam he wakes up and he uh, from being unconscious and uh, an owl essentially had gotten him gotten to the back of his head and he the only reason he survived is because he had the hat on so here's kathleen she's outside she's walking inside a barred owl comes up smacks her on the back of the head she's pulling at her own hair which is why she has all her hair in her hands and then also she's probably trying to get this bird off her so she's gonna get some kind of feathers or whatever in her hand in her hands at the same time her blood now there's blood everywhere you know she's probably stunned to say the least she walks inside the house this is where you see this trail and then she starts to walk up to the staircase and she smashes her head on the first step and so and she kind of rolls over when she does that and now she's got all of these different you know like the the front of her head being smacked because she fell on the stair she's her her head the back of her head is got all these lacerations she's got puncture wounds that are that are consistent with an owl you know attack i mean there there aren't any other ways the blow poke wasn't going to do it so how what else what did, what did michael use to create these these wounds that very few things can be explained by i agree and uh no it is a completely crazy theory that i you would if you would hear that, you would think there's no way. That is nuts. Are you kidding me? But you're right. I listened to that Generation Y episode also a, a while ago. And I, uh, to a certain extent, they had me convinced. I won't say 100%, but kind of like what you said. It's a crazy theory, but it's also kind of the most logical one. Well, it's not a crazy theory when you look at the facts. Well, I mean, they, they consulted with multiple people, and they... I mean, every the information was consistent, and it was actually the most. It was the only reasonable theory when you looked at the wounds. I well, I I think probably, and I. It's unfortunate that they didn't do a more of an investigation to this because I think you're right. I think if they would have been able to show that talons and that type of owl probably very similarly matched the lacerations on Kathleen's head. Probably could have showed something, and probably you you could have connected the dots and saved Michael eight years of his life. Well, I mean, not just eight years, but all the years afterwards where he was under house sure, arrest. Sure, of course. I mean, you know, I just it, it, it the owl theory is crazy to me. But the more I hear about it, and the more I look at it, and the more you know, if you ever witness animals acting like animals, if you if you witness it for real and not on TV or whatever. It's vicious 
and it's graphic and it's real and I do not underestimate animals when they are preying on anything and it, you know from big to small I mean Brittany you know and you hate for me to talk about it but my boyfriend has a snake I hate it so and, much but when you see a snake or when you see another animal kill something or eat something without killing it for that matter um, it is visceral that's all I can that's all I can say and so an owl doing what an owl does or a big a a bird of prey like that doing what it does naturally doesn't surprise me at all is it unfortunate that nobody thought about this until it was far too late absolutely and the person who's this theory actually this theory came up from an attorney who lived down the street from the petitions so and i think that he was ridiculed i think that people gave him a really hard time for this theory and made you know was like i mean he was kind of ostracized about it but it's too bad that nobody thought about this because even if this did even if the theory doesn't make sense or it doesn't work or whatever it still could get some reasonable doubt going there so that you get this guy you know going in the right direction yeah i agree i mean it's just crazy um and here's the other crazy part they still haven't tested the owl feathers. Well, at this point, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but doesn't it? Doesn't no. Netflix want to know? Netflix, I mean, okay, I think... no, okay, so, all right. So, here's where I have a problem with the documentary. Okay, I have, th- I have some too, okay. but mainly... It's so, we... Most of our topics have been... Most of our companion episodes have been about Netflix series. Uh, it just so happens I got a lot of good stuff there. But Netflix frequently touts that uh, these crime series, including this one, are from the makers of Making a Murderer, which was from my home state, Wisconsin. And that was probably one of their first, if not probably their first big true crime docuseries. And that show was criticized, and I think rightfully so, for being entirely one-sided, taking the side of James Avery and Brendan Dassey and trying to prove that they were not guilty. And anyone that watches that show, and I'm not saying that they're wrong, would say absolutely those guys are not guilty. But it very clearly only shows one side. And James Avery and Brendan Dassey each had their own trial, they were found guilty. They've had appeals. They've lost those appeals. Brendan was up for release. The governor rejected his release. So there's obviously something that we haven't seen. And I think about that here. Because even though it took me a little while, it took me a few episodes to get into this, to understand where the slant was, it became very clear to me the slant was in Michael's favor. And it's exactly what you just said. Apparently, Michael was dating the editor of the movie, so. But the slant wasn't in Michael's favor. It wasn't. Do you think the slant was? It in Michael's absolutely favor? was. Who in the heck is gonna like this guy after they watch well, this? Well, it doesn't. Show? I, I don't. I'm not. Conv- <laughs> I don't care about liking him personally, but it's all about his side. Everything is about his side and why he's. But, what other, but why what other he's side is there? Why he's guilty? This is all about why he's not guilty. We don't see, we only see the parts of the prosecution's case that you're able to poke holes into. We don't see the other parts that maybe you aren't able to poke holes into. So I'm not saying that Michael's guilty, but like I said, in my opinion of him, I'm not convinced he's guilty, but I'm not convinced he's not guilty. And a big thing that 
I don't I don't hold his bisexual bisexuality against him in any way. I don't think that means anything. But what I do think is he says throughout the documentary that Kathleen knew and she was okay with it. In the final episode, he's talking just to the cameraman, just to the 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 filmmaker. His lawyer is not there, his family's not there. He admits that she never knew and said, could you imagine what would have happened, what that would have been like if she found out? And that was one of the prosecution's major sticking points. If she found out and he got angry and it was a fit of rage. I don't think that's what happened, but that speaks to his, he's, he's not genuine, he's disingenuine. He yeah. is a liar. He said early in life he was injured in the Vietnam War where it was found out that he did serve in Vietnam and he was actually injured in a car crash. He was a fiction writer but tried to present things as being biographical and sometimes autobiographical. And it's even mentioned, does he ever refer to it as autobiographical? And he doesn't officially, but he alludes to it. So he's really good, as we know, he's a writer, at making up stories and twisting things to fit the narrative that he wants. And that's what we saw in the documentary. Yeah, but the near, I mean, I agree with you completely. I think he can weave a tale like nobody's business. And, but I mean, I didn't find anything he said to be interesting at all and pompous and arrogant. I, what I can't get my head around and what I don't, I, I, and the reason I don't think he's guilty. Um, I, besides, I do think that something else happened with the, I mean, again, I don't know what he could have used to lacerate her head like that without causing any kind of, you know, like damage to the, the bone. It's near impossible. The other thing is, I don't think he had motive. I mean, okay, so what? She found out. Then what? They've been married for a long time. I mean, you, I agree. Just because it's like what, it, what he, he's not going to lose that life. I mean, and, and even if he does, he's not going to, he, he's a smart guy. It wasn't, certainly wasn't premeditated. No, it I mean, was he's not going to, and, and like, ultimately, no, his, ultimately his Alfred plea was to voluntary manslaughter and meeting. It was not premeditated, but if we're talking about taking a slant or not taking a slant and being an objective documentary, you would have seen, equal parts, or at least a lot more than we did, of uh, conversations with the prosecution. You would have seen some... Yeah, but you wouldn't have you wouldn't have seen that because that's not what they couldn't... The filmmakers couldn't have... They wouldn't have had access to that. But if they wanted to make an objective series, they could have. They didn't want to make an objective series. But, well, maybe, but I don't think they could have. I don't think... What, are they going to, in the middle of the trial, go and want to talk to the DA? Sure. I, I I doubt I don't know how that would be possible. That guy was not that guy was a jerk. I mean, Harden they set was, out to make a documentary that made that. Uh, let me rephrase. I think Michael set out to make a documentary to show his innocence. I think that Michael set out to have someone document to protect him. But I mean, sure. I mean, sure to prove his innocence. I don't know about that. I don't know if it proved anything. It proved that he was. I think he, a windbag. I think he thinks I mean, it does. I, that's what's so weird about. Well, I don't think Michael's very self-aware. I think. Oh, he I agree. Has a different opinion of himself than the rest of us. Because again, I if he, I would have never let that documentary out in the world because it's so. 
I mean, it is not endearing. It just makes me not like him and not believe him at all. I don't care about all the other. I don't care if you're bisexual. Who cares? You know, Agreed. that doesn't mean you murdered somebody. Agreed. You know, but not being truthful about things. Now, I talk a little bit about of that up to the times because he did also talk about being gay in the 50s, which was really not possible. And he would have had a very different life. Do I believe that he loved Kathleen? Yes. Do I believe that he was plotting to kill her? No. Do I believe that he killed her in a fit of rage? No, I don't. I think that there he would have figured out other ways to deal with those kinds of things. I mean, and honestly, I could believe, besides him not being truthful, I could believe that she would know. I could believe there's a world where a woman who loved her husband so much and they had such a fantastic relationship that there was a piece of him that, you know, that she accepted. Just side note, by the way, the that Brad guy who was on the stand, uh, the escort yeah. who would do anything, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, could he, I just buttoned it up a little bit, my friend, well, you know, could you just like, come on. Okay, I found, that so, guy the, you know. I found that guy to be the most entertaining, and I also found that, uh, I, I thought it was ridiculous when the attorney, the prosecuting attorney was like, so what does that mean? Come on, you really need him to spell it out? Uh, Frida, the bisexual. Yeah, that's the one. Jesus, that woman. I don't think anybody's ever heard from her again. This probably traumatized her. I mean, she did not come over well. Um, all right, so we're to the end now. You've got your theory, which is that you would say he's not guilty. I, for reasonable doubt, I would say he's not guilty. Certainly, I have reasonable doubt. But I really do, you know, appreciate that Al theory. And what's, you know, what's sort of a bummer about our, our justice system in general is that if you're in a situation like this where you've got a case and you're, you know, you've already started on a path to prove someone's innocence and something comes out that's that could be blatantly in your favor and you can't even talk about it. It's too late. You can't do it. You know what I mean? Like, yes, they I lost agree. That moment. What a shame. You know, it's I mean, I know you can't go back and unravel that kind of thing, but um, what a bummer. I mean, my opinion of this documentary or the series anyway, I think that it was <clears throat> When I first watched it, I really liked it. I had a lot of opinions about it. The second go around, I really thought that it could have been trimmed way down. You know, it's a lot of uh, a lot of minutes to watch Michael Peterson talk about himself and his opinions, and um, you know, good lord, see his poor daughters cry. I, it's heartbreaking. I mean, um, it it was just terribly sad. But uh, hey, fans. Take a listen or take and take a watch uh, at The Staircase on Netflix. We do um, recommend it for what it's worth, and hopefully we've compelled you to think about some of the different aspects. And take a look at the owl theory. I think that you guys should investigate that a little. It wasn't something that was represented in the series because it came out after. It wasn't part of the judicial process, so they didn't want to include it. But um, there's a lot of really interesting information, and there's actually a lot of video out there uh, about what happens. They've done some tests, and they were able to show that if you could bring you know I think a woman did um, some kind of experiment where she put clay on the outside of a bowl and then she has owls and she one of them flew down on the bowl and the prints on the bowl and the clay were exactly as the lacerations were on Catherine's head Kathleen's head so um, you know there's a lot of information you know take a look for yourself but um, perplexing to say the least all right thank you everybody for listening Thank you, uh, a special thank you to our healthcare professionals and first responders, everybody out there 
take care, stay well, stay healthy. We, we love your patronage and we're so happy that you allow us to be a small bit of entertainment during your day. Before we wrap this up, we want to give a shout out to the Pod All the Time podcast network that we, Scarlet TCP, are proud members of. Other members of the Pod All the Time podcast network are Creative Intuitive, Another Digital Citizen, History of a Haunting, Round and Round the Podcast, Real AKA Truth Podcast, Ruck Up Podcast, Random Unnamed Podcast, Suburban Folk, Three Peas in a Podcast, Raw Sex Podcast, I Think We're Doing It Podcast. So if you like what you're hearing from Scarlet TCP, check out these other shows, the members of the Pod All the Time Podcast Network. We are the ladies of Scarlet. Later, Scarlettos. Keep killing it. Keep killing it.